Welcome back to the Wired Podcast. It is your host, Ryan McCrary. Um, I'm the only one on this podcast today. Thomas is not here today. Uh, but I'm excited to do this podcast because college basketball is finally back. Uh, the 2019-2020 college basketball season started on Tuesday, um, the same night as the college football playoff rankings were, re- were released. And we had two great games Tuesday night. We had Duke-Kansas. Uh, the number three, number four matchup. Then we had Michigan State, Kentucky right after that. That's the number one versus the number two teams in the country. So we had two great matchups that night. Uh, a lot of basketball. A lot of college basketball games uh, were on on Tuesday night. Um, but these were the two marquee matchups. But before I get, get into all of this, and I'm going to get into uh, I want to talk about the NBA later on in this podcast. But before I get into college basketball, I want to talk about the rankings, and more specifically, why I hate the idea of expanding the playoff, and my hatred for this idea of expanding the playoff isn't that I don't think the playoffs should be expanded, it's that I just, you know, people get so frustrated, and they get so pissed off about the rankings every single time the committee comes out with a new set of rankings and they're like well this team should be here uh this team isn't respected enough i don't get why this team is ranked over this team even though this team has a harder schedule and it's like with the like why do we need and then people are just like we need to expand the playoff this will solve all these issues we have and i'm just like well how does that really fix the problems like the pro- the main issue with the playoff system is that the rankings are decided by a group of men who we don't really know who they all are. Um, we don't know like what like they're all biased or they all have the potential to be biased. They're all linked to these different programs, and we're expecting this group of uh, older men who come from all of these collegiate programs, we expect, like, and there, it's not even a big group, it's like 13 people, and we expect them to get together, and we are putting the fate of all these teams in the hands of these people, and, like, we don't even really know who they all are, we don't know, like, we don't really know what their criteria is, it's, like, so inconsistent, they're so inconsistent with their rankings all the time, and we don't even know how these teams are being you know, uh, ranked. Like, we have no clue how these teams are ranked. And so it's just so frustrating. And I think that's the real issue. Like, I don't necessarily hate the idea of expanding the playoff. I just hate the idea that expanding the playoff is the solution to the issues we have. Like, I think if we just have, like, a specific set of rules, like, this, like a conference championship gets you into the playoff automatically like i'd be fine with that i just don't i don't like the idea of having a group of people um you know creating the playoff and setting and like having and creating the rankings and creating the playoff pictures but based off this like vague criteria that and it's not even like a like this criteria criteria is not black and white. It's like it's, there's this gray area. Like it's so it's crazy and it just I, I mean I go on Twitter right after the rankings are announced 
and people are just pissed that Clemson's ranked number five and that, like, LSU's not number one, even though LSU and Ohio State, that, like, both teams have a great argument, and Ohio State is a better team, and they've been dominant, and they've won every game by 24 points, and people are like, well, look at LSU's schedule. They have such a, like, they have a ridiculously hard schedule, which is true, but... Ohio State has a difficult schedule as well. Like, and their schedule might even be more difficult than LSU's. And according to, like, these advanced metrics and these computers and this, all this, like, advanced math, Ohio, apparently Ohio State actually does have a, a harder schedule than LSU. And people are all up in arms about that. They're like, all oh, these, these rankings suck. And I actually personally think the committee did a great job with these rankings. Um, I mean, they're pretty good. I, uh, I posted an article on our website, which you, you can go check out at thewiresports.com. Um, and I, before the rankings were, were released Tuesday, I created my own top 10. I wasn't going to do a top 25 because past the top 10, I don't really care. Like, and, I mean, I just, the top 10 is all that matters to me. I, I mean, after 10, it's kind of hard to rank these teams because, like, you got to decide where to put Minnesota, even though, like, they're undefeated, but they haven't played anybody. Like, they literally have not played anybody. And so it's kind of hard to do that. So I just decided to do the top 10. I have, so I can do the top six teams, the first, the four in, the first two out, and then I can do, like, some bubble teams. Um, and I had the same top four the committee had. Um, I had Clemson at five. I had Oregon at six, Georgia at seven, um, Baylor at ten. I think I had Oklahoma eight, Utah nine, um, and I mean it's pretty similar to what the committee had. But yeah, I mean those are just my thoughts. I, I just it, it just annoys me when people get so frustrated with the playoff um, and the rankings, and then they just say that we need to expand when it's like. I don't really know if that's necessarily the solution necessary to fix the issues with the playoff. Because, like, why is expansion necessary? Like, really, I want someone to explain to me why expanding to eight teams is so necessary. I do think we need to expand it uh, to probably to six teams. Like, some people are going or getting way too carried away with this thing. And they're like, we need to expand the playoff to 16 teams. And I'm like, calm down, chill. Like, no, 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 no. We do not need to expand it to 16 teams. That's overkill. Are you kidding me? And my main argument for, uh, against expanding the playoff would be, like, we've had two good semi semifinal games every single year. Like, throughout the entire existence of the playoff, we've had two good semifinal games. The Oklahoma-Georgia semifinal in 2016, and, I mean, I, the Alabama-Ohio State, the first year of, it, of its existence, that was a good game. Um, even though Ohio State dominated a majority of the second half, Alabama was up early, but then, you know, Ohio State ended up, uh, you know, getting a pretty, uh, the margin of victory is pretty high for Ohio State. Um, and, I mean, we haven't really had a, con any consistency within the semifinal. Like, the semifinal is consistently non-competitive. So, why are we, do we want more of that? Why, are, why do we want more teams in a playoff, even though 
it's proven time and time again that two teams that like usually two there's two teams that are head and shoulders above everybody else, and then the rest are just not as good as those, te- or those teams. And then there's like there's always a team that gets in that's just not good enough to compete for a national title, a national championship. And then we're just gonna we're gonna have like five through eight be in the playoffs, and most of the time those teams are are not deserving of competing for a national championship. Like, in my opinion, Utah should not be in the playoff this year. Um, I don't think they they don't deserve a shot to compete for a national title. Um, I mean, they, they lost to USC. Their best win will be against Oregon. If they, if, like, if they beat Oregon, that will be their best win. And I'm like, I don't think they can really compete with, like, an, L- like, an LSU who doesn't even make it to their conference championship um and yeah i'm getting I'm, I'm just ranting now getting a little too carried away with this but yeah i just wanted to talk about my annoyance with playoff expansion when i feel like the real solution to the playoff and the issues that it has because like our playoff system there there's some major issues with it uh like we have a 14 playoff for a power five league, like a five conference league. I don't understand that. And five conferences in power five. I'm not excluding the group of five because I think a group of five team could easily or could make it into the playoff. And if they, you know, are good enough and have a good enough strength of schedule, I think they would be deserving or they could possibly be deserving of a playoff spot. Uh, but yeah, we got a four team playoff for a. Like a power, like a five conference league plus, I don't know how many group of, uh, well, I mean, I guess it's ten conference uh, conferences, and I'm like, this makes no freaking sense. What are we doing here? Um, so that doesn't make sense. And then our criteria for making the playoff isn't even like set in stone. There's no no black and white. Like, here's what you have to do to make it into the playoff, and if you do this, you're out. No. Actually, we're not going to do that. We got a group of men who are biased and who are linked or who have ties to all these programs. And they could, they have all these agendas. We're going to let them decide who they think should be in the playoffs. And also, they're not going to be consistent in their rankings. Their rankings are going to suck. And each and every year, you're going to be scratching your head after the rankings come out. And you're going to be like, well, what are they doing? Like, why didn't they do this when they did this a few weeks back? And... The real, the real solution is we need a better system of selecting the playoff teams. Um, that's a bigger issue here. Not just the number of pl- teams that are in the playoffs. It's how these teams are chosen. That's basically what I wanted to, to say. Uh, that's how I wanted to open up the podcast. But anyway, let's move into college basketball. Duke, Kansas. Number three, Duke, versus number four, Kansas. Is that right? I think I actually may have said that wrong. Um, but Duke and Kansas, they were the first marquee matchup, or first of the two marquee matchups we had on Tuesday. And, wow, this was a pretty disgusting game. And by disgusting, I do not mean that in a good way at all. This was a pretty bad game. Um, and, I don't have a huge problem with having these these 
great matchups at on the first day of the season. But here's my 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 thing with this. Why why are we having these games now? Like Kentucky, like Duke and Kansas and Michigan State and Kentucky, none of these teams really look prepared. Like and and I'm I'm not crapping on their coach on the coaches for getting their for not having their uh team prepared or their teams prepared. But like these young kids did not look prepared at all. Now I'd rather have these games later in the season. Like like ten games into the season, I I would have rather had this game a month from now. Not like in the beginning of the season because I don't even know what these teams are. I don't know who these players are. Um, with the one and done system, it's like all these teams, these rosters look brand new. I don't know who these guys are. They're these high school seniors are coming in, um, nervous. I, I, it's obviously got butterflies in their stomach. They're not prepared. They're not fully ready to play on this big of a stage in Madison Square Garden. And I just really wish this ga- these games would have been later on in the season, like game 10 instead of game 1. Because I feel like these games were just a lot worse because they're played in game 1. And all these kids are don't have the experience needed, necessary to, you know, play well enough in their first game stepping on a... On a collegiate court like you know what i mean um i'm sure you know what i'm saying but anyway yeah duke duke beat kansas um a huge win for duke duke's roster is um they are worse this year but i think they could possibly they might actually be better built to make a deep run in the tournament uh because last year their main issue last year was they didn't they couldn't like they didn't have enough shooters they didn't they didn't have enough depth um their top two guys zion and rj barrett aren't good shooters like neither one of those guys are like average or even like above average or even average shooters um so that was a huge issue and then trey jones he was a liability in the tournament at times because teams would just not even guard him they wouldn't even defend him because he couldn't shoot uh, the three ball. Um, that really hurt them. But this year, they have a little bit more balance. The freshman class they brought in, I like it a lot. Like Matthew Hurt, um, who had a good game in this game. Um, he can spread the floor. I like him. Vernon Carey, or Vernon Carey Jr. He He's a really good player. I think he's the number six player in this, in this year's class um, coming in. Um, I like him a lot. He's a good big man. And then they have... Um, Stacey Stanley, who's an athletic freak. That dude is super athletic. He can jump out of the gym. Um, and then they brought back Trey Jones. I actually like Trey Jones. I think he's a pretty good point guard. He's a really good defender. Um, and, I mean, he's the leader of this Duke team. And he was really one of the most, probably the most important player, or the most important, yeah, the most important player for Duke last year, just because... Um, of his ability, ability to defend, um, and he really set the tone defensively for this Blue Devils roster last year. Um, so I like him. This roster is just really good for Duke. I like it. It's balanced. They have more depth this year, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if they made it farther than they did last year. Uh, I mean, like 
Matthew Hurts again, Vernon Carey, Trey Jones, Alex O'Connell. Alex O'Connell, um, he played last year, played a lot. He had a he had more of an impact than he usually in this game against Kansas than he did a lot a majority of the time last year. Um, he had some big shots in this game, and let's go ahead and get into the game. Um, like I said, it was a sloppy game. Twenty eight turnovers by Kansas, and that's really what killed Kansas because. There were times where I thought Kansas was the better team, but they shot themselves in the foot like 1,800 times. Um, and 28 turnovers, you're not going to win games like this. You cannot turn the ball over almost 30 times. You just can't do that um, and expect to win a game against the New Blue Devils. You're just not going to come out with the victory. Uh, Duke had 16 turnovers of, of their own, so there's... 44 turnovers total between both these teams. Yeah, it was a turnover fest. This is why I hated this game. This game was not a good game to watch. It wasn't fun. Now, it was competitive, but it was not fun to watch. Uh, I mean, like, who wants to watch these teams, these 19-year-old freshmen who have never played before and who are, like, they have no experience at all. We're just watching these kids turn the ball over 44 times. I don't want to do that. That's boring. Um, so, like, I mean, it, I was totally uninterested in watching this game by around halftime because Kansas can't even keep their possessions alive because they keep turning the ball over. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that was a huge – the turnovers were a huge reason Kansas lost this game. Uh, also, early on, Kansas had some of the worst floor spacing I've ever seen. And floor spacing is always bad in college, but my lord – it was awful for Kansas. And one of the main issues is both their starting bigs are just, like, they can't shoot. Like, neither of them are good shooters. And, uh, like, David McCormick and Udoka Azubuki, I like them both, but neither of them can shoot. And so they had them on the low blocks. And then I, just having your two bigs sitting on the low blocks for – uh, consecutive possessions, it kills any driving kick game you have. Like your guards cannot drive in, kick out. They can't. They can't take advantage of ma- of mismatches because once they get inside the paint, the bigs are crowding the paint. They're bringing their defenders in. Everything's so crowded. Um, so that was something I noticed early on for Kansas. They actually eventually fixed that, and they actually had. They ran. They moved on to some four-out sets, thank God, because they would have gotten ran off the floor by Duke if they kept the two bigs inside the paint. Um, they also tried to do have one big at the free-throw line. That didn't really work. Uh, but having four-out, one-in, that's, that's what you got to do. Um, with how the game is today, modern basketball, you either got to run five-out or you got to run four-hot four out one in and that's basically the only thing that's going to work because if your four spacing is bad your offense is going to be bad and if your offense is bad you're probably not going to be winning a whole lot of games at least you're not or, or at the very at the minimum you're not going to be making it a deep run in the tournament you're not going to be contending for a national championship or a championship on any level of basketball um yeah Kansas had a lot of success driving and kicking the ball out to shooters um, once they moved out to this to these four-out sets. Um, and 
they really had Duke off balance defensively. And, I mean, they were having a whole lot of success with that, getting a lot of open, open three-pointers. I liked that a lot from Kansas. Um, one thing I did like from Duke, Hurt. Matthew Hurt is good. I like him a lot. He can spread the floor. One thing I love. Um, the only bad thing is that's really all he can do. And, I mean, he shot, he shot four from 12 from the um, from the field, three for seven from the three-point line. He had 11 points, two rebounds, had a few big threes. I like, I like, um, he had some moments where he, like, used his jab step, which I really liked. Um, that's something that not a lot of players do nowadays. And so I like to see that he has a lot of skill. Um, he's a good shooter. He can space the floor. Something that Duke didn't really have last year. They didn't really have anybody that could space the floor. I know Jack White could do that. Uh, but Matt, they didn't have anybody who could do it as consistently as Matthew can. Um, so I liked what I saw from Hurt um, in this game. 11 points. Solid performance in his collegiate debut. Now, one thing I want to talk about. Vernon Carey Jr. The most hyped uh, prospect coming into Duke this year, their most hyped freshman, and their most talented freshman. Uh, he was unimpressive this game. I was watching him and just, I mean, I watched the game live, then I went back and watched it, and I was not impressed by him at all. Um, he is, one thing that I noted, he is super strong and super powerful. And once he gets the ball down low, he is bodying these defenders. Now, one negative about him is his footwork's not that great. He's not a great, he's not a a smooth, low post score. He likes to use his his strength to score in the low post. And I think that if he can uh, become a more skillful, he, if he becomes more skilled in the low post, gets a hook shot up and under, learns how to do that. Like, I think if he were to work out with Akeem Olajuwon, he could become unstoppable. Because this dude is extremely strong. He's a good rebounder. And he showcased some of those uh, skills in this game. Uh, but, like, the lack of footwork really hurt him. There are, there are times when he gets the ball down low, and he's just throwing up these bad shots because, like, the defender, like, Kansas... Kansas and Biggs were playing good defense, and Kansas is a good team. Uh, Yudoka, Azubuki, and McCormick, they were playing great defense down low. Um, and so he would just have to throw up these contested, like, not mid-range shots, but they're not layups either. They're like these contested hook shots. Not the best, not the shot you wanted him to take. Um, another thing that I noticed, he he was awful defensively. He looked uninterested on that side of the ball. And it's just, it's sad to see uh, someone so, or see someone as talented as Brendan Carey just not care about defense and just give a little effort defensively. Um, there were times where guys would beat, would, uh, beat their guys off the dribble up top, he'd be down low, and you'd expect this guy, you'd expect Carey to come up and, you know, help their guy who just got beat off the dribble. Well, he wouldn't. And guys were getting wide open layups uh, left and right. And I'm like, come on. And so it's so disappointing going from Zion to or having a guy like Zion who was giving it 
his all, every possession on defense. I mean, Zion was a terrific defender as a freshman last se- last season. He was awesome. He he w- I mean, it was incredible watching his film last year because he was going all out every posi- every possession on defense and he was a great shot blocker, a great rim protector. He was also a good perimeter defender. And to go from a guy like that to a guy like Vernon Carey who just showed little enthusiasm on defense is really disappointing. Um, and I'm not comparing Vernon Carey to Zion because Zion is a different breed. He's an incredible player. And Vernon Carey is, is a good player too. Um, it's just he's going to have to be his, like historically good uh, to be on Zion's level. But, yeah, just... Carey, I know it's his first game in college, and I'm not going to base. I'm not going to just be like, oh, so you sucked in this game, so you're obviously a terrible player. No, that would be dumb, and just, 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 that'd be dumb. That'd be stupid. That'd be really stupid of me, um, but I just, he's got to give more effort on defense. I got to see more from him. Um, I think he's going to, you know, obviously get better as the season progresses, but not a great first impression. First impression, first impressions mean a lot, and I did not like what I saw from Vernon Carey in this game. Um, yeah, it's all half for him, and this game just dreadful. A lot of turnovers, not a lot of great basketball in this game. Um, Kansas, I thought they did enough to win. Um, they're good enough. I think they're better than Duke. I, I thought they were better than Duke in this game. Uh, but the turnovers killed them. Uh, Dotson was awesome, 17 points, one assist, two rebounds. Um, Ochai Agbaji, 15 points, six rebounds on six of ten shooting. He was really good. Uh, Marcus Garrett was nice, 12 points, five assists, five rebounds. Um, so, I mean, they were uh, just a great game. One thing I didn't like, I wanted to see more from uh, is it Cassius Stanley or Cassius Stanley? I don't know how to say his name. I wanted to see a little bit more from him. Uh, we were able to see what he could do on fast breaks and in transition, and he was fantastic. Um, I like the way he runs the floor. He was great in this game. Um, like when they forced turnovers and he got the ball in transition, he was awesome. He's a great finisher. When he gets the leverage, like coming off a screen, um, he's incredible. He's fast, got a quick first step. And he's a, a good finisher around the rim. I liked what I saw from Stanley in his limited touches and, and very few shots that he had in this game. Um, one player I wanted to see more of was Wendell Moore. We didn't see a lot from him. He's a five-star freshman coming off the bench. He was pretty bad in this game. Like He was just like a non-factor in this game at all. And I wanted to see more from him. Um, I liked uh, Delorier. I thought he was solid in this game. He's not gonna. He's never gonna do. Like he's never gonna wow you, um, in on the box score. But he's gonna do the dirty work. He's gonna do the little things that contribute to the success on your team. I just dropped my pen. Uh, but yeah, um, this game was dreadful, and I misspoke at the beginning. Duke's ranked number four. Kansas is ranked number three. Uh, I'm not. I mean, there's not to take not a lot to take away from from this game. Uh, I like Kansas a lot. I think they got a really nice team. 
Uh, Devin Dotson is a beast. I like him a lot. Uh, uh, Udo, is it Udoka? as a bookie? Bro, this name is so hard. Is he from, um, I think he's from either South America or Africa. Uh, God, that name's hard to say. But I like Dodson a lot. He's one of the better point guards in the entire nation. Uh, I want to see more from this team. I want to see what Kansas can do when they're not turning the ball over on every possession. I want to see more from Duke. Uh, I want to see more production from Stanley and Wendell Moore. Uh, because I think those guys can be really good. Stanley's an athletic freak, like I said earlier. Uh, I, he can jump out of the gym. And he's a great finisher. I want to see the ball. I want to see the ball in his hands some more. I want to see him in pick and rolls. Um, just I want to see him on backdoor cuts. Also, that's another thing, bro. Duke, can I, more? This is more an issue that Kansas had. There were multiple possessions where Kansas was getting murdered by backdoor cut cuts. Like, what are y'all doing? Why are these dudes playing so high up on the three point line? Like, that's just basic basketball. Like, don't crowd the three-point line. If you're a defender, like, if you're a defender and you're guarding a player on the wing, don't be on the three-point line. Stay inside the three-point line because if you overplay um, the offensive player, they're just going to cut and get a free basket off a backdoor cut. Stop it. Like, I don't know what, like... This is basic, basic basketball knowledge, and I was just ripping my hair out watching guys get killed by backdoor cuts. Awful. I hated watching this game. Let's move on to Michigan State, uh, Michigan State, Kentucky, which was a very, very good game. Um, you know, obviously, Kentucky has a lot of freshmen, so they were making a lot of mistakes, and watching that was just kind of annoying, uh, but... This was a much better and much more enjoyable game to watch. Michigan State, the number one team in the country, took on number two Kentucky, and Kentucky came out with the W, sixty nine to sixty two, huge W for Kentucky. When you're playing the number one team um, in the country in your first game, that's just that's a high pressure situation, and to see a, a team like this who who has a lot of youth. Um, and not a lot of experience. That's huge. A huge victory uh, for the Wildcats. Uh, first thing, early on, Ashton Hagens, um, he was a guard. He played a lot for them last year. Uh, only averaged around 17 points. He was great early on. He had seven points early in the first half. Um, he got hot earlier. He had a floater for an and one. Um, he had a nice pass down low for an easy basket. He, he also on one play had a nice crossover, a beautiful crossover, into a long two, uh, which put Kentucky up 11-4. And watching Higgins have total control of the offense early on, it was nice to see. Um, and I liked watching him. Now, he, he wasn't as big of a factor in the second half, uh, but those seven points were huge for Kentucky early on. And they were dominating Michigan State early on in the first half. Um, and Hagens was a huge a huge reason for that. And Hagens is actually uh, from uh, near where I'm from. He's from Bartow County, close to where I live. He went to high school in Atlanta, Georgia. 
um, which is about an hour, hour, hour and a half, or, yeah, it's about 45 minutes to an hour from where I live, um, so nice to see him repping Georgia, um, Winston, Cassius Winston, a lot of eyes are on him this, this season, he was the front runner for the player of the year award this year, and, you know, there's a reason why, you watched him in this game, you know, his shooting, he didn't have a great, a great day shooting-wise, I mean, his field goal percentage wasn't that great. Um, but there are moments where he was just killing Kentucky and picking rolls. He's a smart player. Um, you know, there's a reason he didn't go pro last year. I don't know about him as a as an NBA prospect. But there's some times where I was like, yeah, there's a reason this dude is, um, you know, is a one of the one of the front runners for the player of the uh, player of the year award this year. He's really good. Um, and he had some moments, like, he had a, sta- he had a snatch back three, which was beautiful, um, in the first half, and then he had an alley-oop off a of pick and roll, which was awesome, um, and one of the biggest moments in this game, in the, uh, first half, Kentucky went cold for a minute from, from the 16.50 mark to the 9.26 mark, they went 0 for 6, they could not get a basket to save their life. Um, and that allowed Michigan State to go on a run, get back into this game. And then um, with three minutes and 11 seconds left in the first half, number five for Kentucky had a ridiculous three-point. I mean, it was crazy. It was like off the dribble. He shot it. It was almost like he was just trying to shoot to get a foul call. Um, and he hit the three to go up 30-23. to 23. That was insane. Biggest story of this game. Tyrese Maxey, he's a freshman, true freshman. Um, he was Mr. Basketball in Texas last season, and there is a reason why. He was incredible this game, absolutely fantastic. I mean, he was cooking guys off the dribble in, uh, in this game. Um, getting to the line, he got to the line so many times. Let's look at this up, because it was insane. How many times he got to the free throw line? Um, no one can stay in front of him. It was crazy. I'm like, yo, like he's not even like do. He's not even like, not, he doesn't even have crazy handles, and he's not even just cooking these dudes like Kyrie. He's just blowing by these dudes with ease, and it was insane. Uh, at halftime, MSU was down 34-24, which is pretty crazy. Uh, being down 10. Huge deficit for the number one team in the country. Uh, but they are experienced, and this experience showed up in the second half. Uh, they took advantage of Kentucky's youth early on, um, and they were they were able to get easy baskets by pump faking and driving, uh, and they got a lot of easy buckets off pick and rolls. With 14-10, 14 minutes and 10 seconds left in the second half, uh, Maxie hit a long three to tie the game 39-39. Like I said, MSU took advantage of Kentucky's youth. They forced a lot of turnovers early on in the second half, and they were, they were able to go on a big run and, you know, take the lead uh, with around six minutes left in the second half. But Maxie, he hit a long three to tie the game 39-39. Huge moment. Um, he had so many big moments in this game. It's incredible. It's incredible. And now, uh, around the 11-minute mark, Kentucky had a huge run where they go up 13. Uh, they went up 54-41. to 41. This run 
was incredible. It was like from the 11-minute mark to around the 9-minute mark in the second half. They forced turnovers, got a lot of got a, a lot of good looks um, from the three-point line. They were able to get get the ball um, and in transition. They they had a lot of transition opportunities in this little run they had. Um, it was incredible. They went up 13, but Michigan State was not done yet. And I mean, in moments like these, this is where Michigan State's experience is going to help them this season, because down 13 late in the second half, the Spartans could easily have just laid down and just quit, been like, no, I'm not going, we're done, we have no chance of winning, but they didn't do that, uh, and Winston had some huge moments late in the game, with around 4.45 left in the second half, uh, Maxie, once again, he had a huge steal, leading to a fast break dunk by Hagens, uh, and that, a huge, a huge reason that Michigan State was not able to complete the comeback and get the victory was turnovers, and the second half, they had a few too many turnovers, um, that really killed them, this being one of them. Um, Maxie also had a tough layup around 224 left in the second half to go up 62 to 57. This was insane. Uh, Maxie had some incredible, incredibly tough shots this game. And this one, this was like a floater layup off the glass, high off the glass. He was like on the left side of the court. He drove into the paint, got to the left side, couldn't get a clean shot right at the basket. He had to shoot this weird flow. It, it was weird looking, but he got it to go. Um, huge shot. And one of the craziest moments in the game, Winston had an and one uh, with a minute and a half left to cut the lead 62 to 60. Um, this was insane. A big time shot by a big time player. I um, mean, he converted the and one, made it 62 to 60. And then with a minute left, Maxie hits the dagger, a long-range dagger. And to shoot this shot, because this shot was from, like, Trey Young, Steph Curry-type range. I mean, he shot this from five to seven feet behind, from about, I'll say around five five feet behind the three-point line. And to be able to, to have the balls to take that shot as a freshman coming off the bench, that is insane. Uh, I mean, he is a hoofer. He is a cold-blooded killer. This dude has ice in his veins. I couldn't believe that he shot that. I couldn't believe he made it. Huge shot, and that was a dagger. Put uh, Kentucky up by five. Um, and Michigan State just wasn't... That was just it for them. They lost the game. 69-62. to Maxie had 26 points. Uh, 7 for 12 shooting from the field. 3 for 7 shooting from the three-point line. Off the bench, like I said, um, you know, I don't know if he should start because he provides a lot of scoring off the bench for a young Kentucky team. Um, I think he can be a great sixth man for him for them. He easily could start, and he could start for a lot of programs. Um, but I think that just for this team, his his talents are best. Like he, he's going to be best, or he's sorry, I can't even speak. Um, it would be best for Kentucky to bring him off the bench because, you know, I think if he started, his play style would kind of clash with Hagen's play style, and I don't know if they would fit well together on the court for a majority for a majority of the game. Um, so I like uh, Calipari, Calipari staggering Maxie's minutes 
for when Higgins is not on the court so Maxie can have full control of the offense and can do his thing because um, he's an elite scorer and he showed that in this game. Um, one issue I have with Winston, he's got to shoot the ball better. He just had too many missed shots. He actually had 21 points in this game, and he was good. Um, he was really good. He's got to be more efficient. Another um, another note I had, Nate Sestina, he's a Bucknell transfer. He was really good in this game. He stuffed the stat sheet. He was super reliable in this game. Seven points, six rebounds, two assists. He was awesome. Um, he started, um, he wasn't gonna, you know, he's not the type of guy that's going to just wow you, um, on the, in the box score, but he does the dirty work, kind of like Delorier does for Duke, and, yeah, that's all I have for this game, two great, or, you know, one great basketball game, and then one mediocre game, uh, but, yeah, I'm so excited that college basketball is back, I love, 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 college basketball um you know let's move on to north carolina i want to talk about cole anthony i don't really want to talk about the game as a whole how about uh, cole anthony 34 points in his collegiate debut that is insane he had this like he cole anthony in his collegiate debut had the same amount of points as syracuse did in the entirety of their first game against virginia that's crazy. Uh, Cole Anthony was incredible versus Notre Dame. He was awesome. I mean, he he, he just showed showcased a lot of confidence. Um, he he had he did not shy away from pulling up from deep. Um, he shot a lot of threes, made a lot of threes. I think he shot six for ten from the three point line. Let me look this up real quick. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he just showed off a lot of skills. Uh, showed off the ability to drive in, pull up from mid-range, which is really, really hard to find. It's hard to find a guy that can pull up from mid-range with, any, with uh, you know, a lot of consistency. But um, he has that capability. Uh, let me see. You know, 34 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists for Cole Anthony. One of, if not the most impressive debut from a, uh, from a freshman in college basketball history. I mean, he was incredible. He looked better than Kobe White ever did last season. Um, so that's crazy. And Kobe White was awesome as a true freshman. So that's saying a lot. You know, North Carolina, they lost a lot of players this year in the offseason. Um, and Cole Anthony is just going to have the ball out for them to have any kind of success. But that was a crazy game for Cole Anthony. He shot 12 for 24 from the field. Six for eleven from the three point line. He actually started off the game wearing goggles, um, and he missed a couple of shots, so he took them off. And I mean that's that's crazy. He took off the goggles and just went off. Um, you know, one thing that it did that you know was a, a little bit of an issue for Anthony was turnovers. He had some freshman mistakes, which you know that that's gonna happen. It happens to everybody. But he's got to clean up those turnovers because some of these turnovers were just silly mistakes. Got to clean that up. But, you know, besides that, very good debut from Cole Anthony. Um, now, I haven't talked about the NBA at all on a podcast, so I want to talk about that, a little bit about that to, uh, today to finish off this episode of the Wire Podcast. 
How about the Warriors? They have had a nightmare start. This is one of the most, you know, the worst starts I've seen for a team. Or not the worst starts, but like, you know, one of the most brutal starts for an NBA team in recent memory. Clay Thompson, torn ACL. Steph Curry, broke hand. Willie Collison, he had a left foot injury to start the season. Alec Burks, he had an ankle sprain to start the season. Then Draymond Green was has been struggling with a finger injury. They have been just dealing with a plethora of injuries. And, I mean, it's really killed them. Like, their depth wasn't good um, with all these injuries and or without all these injuries. And even in with these with these injuries, their team just sucks. Now, one bright spot for this team is Eric Pascal or Pascal. Is it is Pas is it Pascal Pascal? Anyways, he's been going off. Um, at one point, he was averaging thirteen point eight points per game, um, and three re- three rebounds per game, and one point seven assists per game on sixty one point one percent field goal shooting. Um, so he's been awesome. You know, he's up there in the Rookie of the Year conversation so far. Obviously, there's only, there. I mean, we're not even 10 games into the season, so we can't really, um, you know, we got to just wait to see if he can keep this up. They might be the worst team in the league with all these injuries because, like, I mean, there's times where you have, like, Kai Bowman starting and playing, a, like, playing a heavy load of minutes and I'm like what like this team they don't even have Kavon Looney back Kavon Looney yet uh who was a a huge part of their finals run last year um they don't have him back they're still waiting like he's like two weeks away from returning this team is just terrible uh Steph Curry probably shouldn't play again this season because what's the use in coming back if the Warriors are like 12 and like 45 or whatever you know um there's no use in coming coming back if they're just if they have no hope you might as well sit sit out the rest of the year clay thompson not coming back i don't think he was coming back before he definitely isn't coming back now because they will not be in the playoff picture and uh you know people were um you know talking about like is this a good thing is the Warriors, uh, you know, tanking and being bad, being one of the worst teams in the league, a good thing because they'll get a good pick. I don't think it's ever good to have one of to have your best player lose a season of his prime. Like Curry is is in his prime right now. I mean, he's in the twilight or he's in the the very end of his prime, but he's still in his prime. Losing a year of that is never good, never. Um, so, I don't really, there's, I mean, yeah, getting a top five pick would be a silver lining for this team this season, but, you know, for what they could have accomplished, this is really disappointing, and I don't, I don't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of positives um, with all these injuries suffered to, you know, the best players on this team, like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, you don't want to see guys like that get hurt, um, even if it means getting a high draft pick. So I don't really think that this season is like, that it's like, oh, this is the best thing that could have happened for the Warriors because they can get a high draft pick. I really think that because, you know, 
Tori's hurt. He's in his prime. He loses the year of that. That's never good. Alright, next up. The 76ers. Let's talk about them. Really, they are who I thought they were. They're a team that is really dominant defensively, but they are super confusing on offense. Uh, I want to talk about their defense first. They are huge. The shortest starter in, in uh, the shortest player in their starting lineup is Josh Richardson, and he is six five. Their their whole entire team is gigantic. They're huge, and they got a lot of length. They're really good defensively. One of the best defenses in the entire league, um, and it, it shows. So against the Hawks early on, they had 12 steals, 11 blocks, and there were so many possessions that they just shut down um, by getting these deflections, getting steals, and they really disrupted Atlanta's offense. It's one of the biggest reasons they won the game. Um, But although they're elite defensively, they are not good offensively. Uh, there are some moments where I'm just like pulling my hair my hair out watching them on offense, and because their floor spacing is atrocious, it really is. Um, the, like there's times where Ben Simmons will be in the corner, and Joel Embiid will be posting up down low, and for whatever reason, Ben Simmons runs into the paint. Why? What are you doing, Ben? There is absolutely no reason for you to be in the paint. You're just screwing up the floor spacing. Now you're crowding the paint so Ben, so Joel can't do anything. So, like, and I know everyone was super excited about the summer workout videos from Ben Simmons and watching him hit threes in these, you know, exhibition, in these, like, pickup games. And I'm like, okay, but, like, what are the chances that he actually starts taking these shots in an actual game and start shooting them with any kind of efficiency. I didn't expect him to. And he's not even shooting threes. Like, at all. Uh, really disappointing. Uh, especially when I thought, like, at, maybe he would attempt at least, like, a three or two a game. No, he's not. He's not shooting the ball at all. Hasn't improved. And it really sucks. And I think his inability, his inability to shoot the ball is going to hold the 76ers team back once again. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all I wanted to talk about today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I can't wait for the college basketball season to pick, pick up. Um, I'm going to be talking about the NBA a whole lot more now. I've been really busy with school and all, but this semester is almost over, and I'm taking a lot of difficult classes right now, but my second semester will be a lot easier, um, so I'm going to be pumping out these podcasts I hope y'all enjoyed this, and I will see y'all next time.